Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and why you began Medical Mutts. Well, I've been training dogs for over 35 years, uh, but also what's a little bit different about, about me is that I have a PhD in psychology and animal behavior. So um, I was involved in research on animal behavior before I started as a dog trainer. And so the dog training for medical conditions seemed like a perfect fit for me. And then Medical Mutts was founded because I was a dog trainer because I really didn't like to see dogs having a hard time with their owners. And I wanted to make a real difference in the relationship between dogs and people. And I came across people who were suffering from conditions such as diabetes and seizures or psychiatric conditions and uh, wanted to see if I couldn't apply my skills to helping both the dogs and the people who needed them. So that's, that's why Medical Mutts. So when did you begin Medical Mutts? Medical Mutts was started in 2013. Okay. And what's the mission of the organization? Our mission is, to, is twofold, is to help the dogs that have suffered from abandonment and to help the people who need a service dog. Okay. So you train shelter dogs uh, to become service dogs. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. Well, tell us, why shelter dogs? Well, um, first of all, because there are so many dogs on, on this planet and so many dogs that go through really difficult times. And um, even though it's not the most easy way to go about service dogs, it just felt like the right way. Like we wanted to provide a great life to the dogs and to make a difference in the dog, a difference in the dog's life as well as in the person's life. So this way we're helping two beings at the same time. So are there certain characteristics you consider when choosing a certain dog to train? Oh, absolutely. Very few dogs can be service dogs. It's, you know, as if uh, for, for people, one example that I, I typically use is that you know, not everybody can be a surgeon or a firefighter, you know, or, or be in the army. It's, it's some people can do it and others are really good at other things. And with dogs, it's the same thing. There's all sorts of temperaments and personalities, and it takes very special dogs with very particular traits that we're looking for uh, for them to become service dogs. What we're looking for are dogs that are very social. Uh, so that they can be very comfortable around a lot of strangers. And they need to be social around dogs as well because they're going to be living with a number of dogs and they have to be able to, you know, relate to other dogs when, when they're out and about. Uh, but they also need to be very trainable. All our training is done with treats. So we're looking for for dogs that are able to, you know, do a lot of, are very motivated for, for a little bit of treats that we're giving them. Um, and, you know, we also need dogs that are very adaptable because they have to go out in all sorts of places. And if they're fearful or anxious about things that are new, things that are different, then they're not going to be able to focus on their person. Now, are there certain breeds that you consider? Well, there's certain types of dogs. So Labradors, for instance, especially English Labradors, are have they have a, a higher chance of making it as a service dog uh, but other breeds or, or breed mixes also can do it so we have all sorts of mixes at our, our facility um, that some sometimes we don't even know what they are but 
um, you know, just it's mostly about the temperament. So, of course, dogs that were bred to be like livestock dogs that are bred to be somewhere on their own looking at uh, after livestock, those dogs will have a lower chance of making it because they don't relate to people as well. They are very great to be pets, but they're also very independent. So if you have a seizure or, or if you have a condition that requires the dog to be close to you uh, most of the time, and these guys are quite happily outside in the, in the backyard, then they're going to have a tougher time to do their job. So do you find that uh, it's just a little bit easier to train certain animals over others? Well, it's easier to train dogs that are less, so that are pretty confident. So a dog that is confident and is also quite motivated with food is going to have a really good capacity for problem solving, to try to understand what you're wanting of them, um, you know, and, and also have the motivation to take what it takes to um, do what they're supposed to do. So confidence is key. Are there certain medical conditions or situations that dogs can best help humans out with? Well, nowadays, the range of things that dogs can do is expanding all the time. What we do is pretty specific and, and we're a little bit different in that we use scent in all of the conditions that we train. So that's why we're specialized in uh, mostly diabetes, seizures, and psychiatric conditions because for all three of those, we teach the dogs to smell when a person is going to go into crisis. And it's with that smell that they can help the person and they, they know something is happening and they can alert the person. So it's kind of like having a sense of danger. Is that correct? Yeah, except for, so for the person, that's absolutely what, what's going on. There's, they're in crisis and they're, they're, you know, there is danger. But for the dog, um, a lot of these smells are associated with good things happening. It's, it's like, oh, I'm smelling this. Now I'm excited. I'm going to have a treat. So they don't necessarily have the same emotion about it. Um, but the smell becomes the cue for the dog to, to perform a particular behavior. So the dog is going to come over and start poking their person with the nose. Um, and the smell is the cue, just like the word sit would be the cue to put their, their butt on the ground. Okay. All right. And let's say a dog encounters one of these situations. Uh, what, what are they trained to do? Give us an idea so, so we can get that person some help. So um, imagine a person is going to have a seizure and they are completely unaware of that. Well, the dog would come over and start poking them with their nose uh, you know, pretty insistently and the person would have a chance to lay down or, you know, not or or, or turn out the fire if they were cooking or not go up and down a flight of steps. So it's really, really important. It's a life-saving um, situation that, that the dog is, is um, allowing because the, dog, the person, you know, when you know ahead of time, you can place yourself in a safe position. So it's basically giving that person extra time to get help. That's right. That's exactly right. And one example that that always struck me uh, was a dog that was placed by one of the groups that I that I tutor, um, and a young woman was bathing her child, and she was all by herself in her house, and she was bathing her baby in the bathtub, and her new service dog came up running to her and started poking her, and she wasn't you know really sure what to do because she it was hard to believe that there was really anything going on. She felt pretty normal. But she cautiously took her baby out of the water and down on the bathroom floor. And within seconds, she had a grand mal seizure. 
Wow, wow. So the dogs are, for seizures specifically, um, the dogs are trained to alert prior to the seizures, but they're also trained to do something when the seizure happens. And what that something is, is going to be completely dependent on that particular person's situation and needs. So some of the examples would be, you know, the dog could go and get help or press a button that's going to call somebody's phone. Um, They can also go get medication, get drinks, or lie right next to the person or even on top of the person to protect the person from hurting themselves with their with jerky movements that they might be making. And after you train a, a specific uh, dog, where do these service animals go? So we place dogs, service dogs, all over the country. Um, so people come from, you know, we're we're located in Indianapolis, Indiana, but we have clients uh, from from pretty much everywhere in the country. But we ask our clients to come to our facility for about ten days where they're going to learn how to work with the dog. You know, what is, what is the dog's vocabulary? Or what do you do to get the dog to work for them? Uh, what happens if the dog is, you know, a little confused or a little concerned about something? It, it's really a partnership that they have to develop with that dog. And then after 10 days, they take the dog home and we get in touch with them. We stay in touch with them very regularly for, for as long as they need our help. And how long does it usually take to train a shelter dog to be a service animal? About um, six to eight months of full-time training. So during that time, they'll learn over 30 behaviors. A lot of those behaviors have to do with uh, just obedience so that they can be safe going out in public and well-behaved. And then there's about six or seven behaviors that will be specialized for a person's disability. So what's your goal for medical mutts, you know, for the dogs and for the people they serve? What I'd like to see is that we can help as many people as we can. We, you know, COVID has been really difficult for all of us. But one thing that did come out of it is we started training, teaching people how to train their own dogs online. So that allowed us to reach more people. But still the need for service dogs is enormous. So many people need the help. Uh, what we're finding out, too, is um, because we're one of the very few organizations that places psychiatric service dogs uh, for people who are not necessarily veterans. Uh, we do, of course, help veterans, but we also help other people who might have anxieties and, and might not be able to just go out of their homes and do their, their own groceries. So. Um, you know, the the more the more we can place service dogs, the more people we can help. And each story is just so unique, so heartbreaking that we, you know, we want to see us able to expand and maybe even potentially branch out into into other, um, you know, create new hubs into other other places around the country so that we can help more people. All right. And on a personal level, what's in your heart for the work that you do in in medical mutts? Well, I, you know, I've been a trainer for a very, very long time and I've tried all sorts of training methods. But today um, I'm a firm believer in treating animals 
in the way that we would want to be treated. So I, I am what we call a positive reinforcement trainer. So we don't use punishment at all at our facility. We treat our dogs very kindly and train them with treats. We don't use force or anything. But unfortunately, we're kind of a minority still. Or we're, we're, you know, we're finding that there are a lot of groups that still use very harsh methods on dogs. And what I'd like to see is that we could at least give some examples or lead by example and show that we can train dogs, even dogs that had a a bad start, a difficult start and had no manners coming in. We can train them to be exceptional service dogs for somebody, even without having to bully them into uh, doing what we want them to do. And how does it make you feel to know that you're making a positive difference in the lives of people who need service animals and for the animals as well? You know, we we just graduated six dogs um, just a few weeks ago. And um, it's still, I, I, I've graduated hundreds of dogs that I've helped, you know, even other organizations do this. I, I still get really emotional about this when I hear the stories of the parents who have to wake up several times during the night to check on their children um, or, you know, uh, people who just can't go work or can't do what we all are able to do. It's heartbreaking. It's really difficult. So knowing that I was able to make a difference and, you know, um, nowadays I also teach trainers. So knowing that I can also teach others how to do that so that we can multiply um you know how many people we can we can help is it's really it's very uh um it's really important to me i wouldn't want to do anything else it's not easy it's you know it's a job that requires a lot it takes a lot um to do this because you you know sometimes have to deal with a lot of difficult situations both on the dog side and on the people side but I, there's nothing else that i would do what kind of results are you seeing? Uh, what do people tell you about what you do? Well, what we hear from our clients is um, a lot of gratitude, of course. Um, it's we, we create a partnership with them, a relationship with every one of them. So we get to know them you know, on a personal basis and we get to see the difference that those dogs make for them. And, um, you know, when you see a young young woman who, got a dog at 17 because she did not know if she was able going to ever be able to go to college um, to the college of her choice um, let alone take a trip without her parents because she has diabetes type 1 diabetes and now she is traveling the world and went to Notre Dame um, you know, and went to Costa Rica and Europe with her dog and has a, a rich and, and full life um, It you know there's there's I don't know. I don't really have words to express how it feels, but it's it's wonderful to see how the dogs were able to change a, a person's life to that level. So what's your hope or your ultimate goal for medical mutts? Well, our goal is to change the lives of dogs and change the lives of people with a disability and um, help both of those uh, create partnerships that help them become independent and, and live a you know fulfilling life together. So the, the relationships that we create are mutually beneficial. They help each other. The person and the dog help each other uh, gain more independence, more security, and, and just, you know, they, they grow 
they grow a friendship. Uh, they become family to one another and they look after each other. And Jennifer, where can people find more information about medical mutts and about what you do? Well, the best way to get information about our organization is to go to medicalmutts.org. You can also call us at, you know, 317-991-5400 and you'll get a hold of uh, Jack, who is actually my husband and co-founder of Medical Mutts. And he spends uh, a lot of time with each person who calls, you know, to explain to them what we can do for them. And if we can't help, he will guide people to other organizations as well. And before we conclude, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about your experience uh, with medical mutts? Uh, Maybe something that you personally feel is very important for others to remember. Well, we are, we help the underdogs. We want to help the dogs that nobody has wanted and the people who are very often suffering uh, from disabilities that most people can't recognize because, you know, when you have seizures or diabetes or a psychiatric condition, nobody can see that. And so it's very difficult to relate sometimes to how hard it is to live with those conditions. And we try to put them together and create teams that, you know, can face the world and be more and feel um, empowered and, uh, you know, uh, strong to go out and, and do what we all, we're all doing naturally without thinking about it. And so I think sometimes when, when we only look at what's wrong with somebody, we don't see all the ways that we might be able to help and all the ways that we can see what, what is also wonderful about them and what, what is also strong about them and how we can, you know, just sometimes a little help goes a very long way. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us.